Welcome to He Said, She Said Razor Branding Podcast with Michael Russo and Jackie Russo. To learn more about how to improve your brand, visit brandrusso.com. Hi, welcome to Razor Branding He Said, She Said Podcast. Michael, today's guest, I think she's going to both intrigue you and blow your mind. It's Jody Daniels. She's the founder and CEO of Red Clover Advisors, which is a boutique privacy consulting agency. And she has her own podcast with her husband. And let me just tell you the name. Tell me if you've heard this before, if it sounds familiar. She said privacy. He said security. It's a natural tie-in for us, and I think that everybody listening is going to love it. When we get all the way through the the privacy and security concerns and to the marketing part at the end, when we talk about emails, if you send emails, you need to know this information. She's got a best-selling book called Data Reimagined, Building Trust One Data Byte at a Time. Sit back and have a listen, y'all. It's a good one. So I just don't say anything. I mean, that's kind of how our conversations go sometimes, don't you think? Or it's when you do say stuff and it hurts my feelings. It goes both ways. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. I don't know why I'm even here. Actually, I, 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 I don't talk a lot in this podcast at all, actually, because um, this, this subject makes my head explode. But, um, it, but is. it is. Important and you're here to know. because I, you're I learning just that, like everybody so. else. We all have to take our time. Some podcasts you talk the whole time. Sometimes I get to. I guess this was one of mine. What am I? And so without further ado, joining us today, Jody Daniels. Jody, welcome to the podcast. Well, hi. Good morning. I'm excited to be here with you. We are so glad to have you. So um, I know that initially when we first decided that we were going to have you on as a guest, it was really to talk about business, talk about the book you've written, talk about the work you do. I think it's all very vital and important and I can't wait to dig into it. But as I was going through the background research materials that your team sent over, I kept bumping on the fact that you work with your husband. And I thought that was an incredibly vital topic as I work with mine and sometimes don't talk to him. So um, tell me, how do you do that? How do you all work together and still get along? Because I get asked that all the time and I don't have a very good answer. I want to copy yours. Well, my answer might be a little bit different because we work together in the sense of thought leadership. So we wrote our book together. We have our podcast together and we do a lot of speaking together. Uh, We have a lot of conversations because our work over overlaps. However, he actually works for a law firm uh, in his day job. So it's a lot of intersection and our kids could tell you all about our jobs as well because they are inner. There's a significant amount that intertwines, Mm -hmm. but on a daily basis, he actually gets to go, uh, well, sometimes just downstairs, (laughs) 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 but not always uh, for Red Clover, my company. So what you're saying is that you're smarter than us. You figured out a way to do it the right way. There's a little bit of togetherness for the good stuff and then a little bit of apartness to find some time and ability to appreciate each other. That's wise. (laughs) Very wise. (laughs) It just kind of all happens naturally and we just kind of keep following where it takes us. That's good. That's very good. So tell me about the process of writing the book because y'all did write that together, right? We did. We we wrote the book. Uh, it started because we honestly did a variety of conferences and so much speaking together. They kind of nicknamed it the Jody and Justin show. And then <laughs> we moved to our podcast that has a very similar name, actually. We have flipped it. It's the She Said Privacy, He Said Security uh, podcast. And then the book came from all the work and conversations we were having on the podcast, which was, and just in our general everyday conversation, 
because we would talk to companies and we would repeat over and over, here's what you need to be doing. Here's what these laws are. Here's what this means. And we've done all of this education, whether it be in a webinar, in a conference, in a podcast, in a written article format to educate because there's such a gap in this field. Many people are thinking about all the great work that you're doing. How do I make sure I have an amazing brand? How do I, uh, you know, differentiate myself? How do I earn, earn more sales? Compliance and security tends to not be as high on the list. It should be, but the reality is it ends up being a lot lower. And we felt like we wanted to be able to reach more people. And as a result, that was when the idea for the book came along. And we we broke it out into chapters, you know, a variety of chapters that are a little bit more on the privacy side, and he's a little bit more the security side. We we work together on the whole thing. However, you know, there's a little bit of that division. And we both were very much in tune with the goal of the book, which is for a business executive. It is not a technical right. knee deep book on privacy and security. There are plenty of those. We wanted to serve the gap for the business person who needed to understand why does privacy and security matter? How does this affect my brand? Right. No. And and I love that. I love the approach to that. We work with a number of companies who handle that from the IT side or from the legal side. And so I like how those two have. Um, So when you think about business today. And, and I thought you made an interesting point and I'm, I'm going to have to correct only because today, and you think from the outside looking in, everybody's more focused on marketing and they should be more focused on privacy. I'm not going to disagree with them being more focused on the privacy, but no business is focused enough on their marketing either. <laughs> so we're both in the same boat in a lot of ways. Um, I would think though, it's the hottest topic going right now. Uh, I'm every day reading about some other phishing, hacking, spoofing scam. We guest this week um, who got, um, I think, hacked, uh, ended up draining $200,000 out of his business account. And it came in through an email. So I would imagine y'all are the hottest topic because everybody knows it. We get what we call these um, fake Jackie emails and texts all the time. It's somebody pretending to be me. It's a different account, but they it and they have asked employees to go get gift cards for them and i know that's a fairly typical scam and we've had two almost fall for it and one actually fall for it even though they're all warned so how do you what are the tips what are the tricks to getting people to pay attention to it and not be the weakest link that lets in the bad guy well to address the kind of hot topic it is hot topic especially there's two sides there's the privacy side which is Mm -hmm use and collection and sharing of data. And then there's the security side of protecting it. So the spoofing and phishing and hacking and gift card scams, that's all on the security side, which is really different than, for example, everyone listening, maybe you've received a flyer in the mail or an email that you've never signed up for. And you're wondering, hmm, how did I get this? That's all the privacy side, how data is getting used. And there's so many competing priorities that companies have these days. They're they're challenged and, you know, you have a little bit of the FOMO, fear of missing out. So they kind of go with the cool, shiny object and privacy and security still get second fiddle. They're, some organizations don't even have someone dedicated to it or they're not even thinking about it or they do just the bare amount to get by just a little bit, which I have some things to say about that. 
So the tips though, so let's do the, the more pertinent piece, which are you mentioned one, which is the account. It's really important to look very at every single part of an email or a text that you're getting. Look at the hyperlinks, look at the letters, look at the subject, look at the number, because it's oh, it has to be one little piece off. It could be a flip of two letters that your eye doesn't necessarily naturally catch. So you want to look super, super carefully at that. Um, the sense of urgency is also a really Another big one, and that happens a lot in the texting and the gift card ones or in emails also, right? You'll kind of follow up multiple times. Think about the natural course of how people interact. If it's really urgent, I might call you, I might text you, I might email you, but it wouldn't have that weird sniff factor that is kind of what we want people to be paying attention to. And that sense of urgency and the, gosh, does this really feel right? Or is there something a little bit off that idea of it's kind of too good to be true applies here in the flip sense. If it just really, would they really ask me for gift cards? And then honestly, just pick up the phone and say, Hey, did, did you actually like ask me for these gift cards? And you're likely going to say no. Or did you really send the wire one is the biggest one where you should never, ever, ever send a wire or money to an account without validating the numbers first. You pick up the old fashioned thing called a phone and call on the other side. And I love when I have that for vendors who wanna pay me. They say, I can't send that until I talk to you. And then some vendors just take my money and pay me, which I like getting paid, but we want to have that verification. It's the same thing. Personally, when I send on Venmo, I sometimes want to have the phone number first or a friend first because I really want to make sure it's going to the, did I get the right person on the other end? Right, right. No. And, and so really it comes down to discretion. People need to be more in tune to what they're doing. Slow down and do it right. Don't be so quick. Uh, we work closely with a, a broadcast group and they're in, I don't know, 15 or 17 states and one person at one office in one town working for one station clicked a link and it brought down the entire group. And we're talking about hundreds of radio stations for weeks while they were being ransomed. And I just thought, yeah, you've got to get everybody on the same page because the weakest link is one person who's going to click that email without having any thought to the ramifications. It's really important what you just said. It's just horrifying to me. It just takes one. And a lot of times people will think that's the security person's job since we're talking so much about security. And I will say, no, actually it's everybody's job because every single person is opening emails and interacting on everything. It's not just someone who has access to personal information. It is truly every person's job to do their part in the company. Right, I th- right. I think for, so, for, no, no, Jackie's going a mile a minute. I, I have a hard time getting in sometimes. They um, And I'm particularly quiet on a lot of this stuff because this is kind of Jackie's sweet spot of, of love. She's the CEO of our agency and she runs things and she's always, you know, concerned about these issues. I am the kind of person you probably hate, which is I bury my head in the sand and pretend like it's all going to be fine. Um, you know, but as as we, a lot of times when we, we do branding, um, for clients, we really dig deep and we try to find the overall health of the brand, right? And this is a big issue because if if this is something that's not paid attention to, obviously it can cause havoc. And then 
And then when that happens, what's the public perception of that when it does happen? And how does that affect the overall health of the brand? You know, so it, it's it's something that we all have to deal with in today's world, even though we, as in me, don't even want to want to process it because it is such a heady thing, you know, like, uh, my God, it's like, you know, did this happen? Or if I click this wrong or you know, privacy, where's my information going? Who's, who's getting it? Who has, um, and for me, I don't really, I guess the question is like, I don't have anything on my computer or line. I don't personally, I don't, I don't do a lot of financial things. And if somebody wanted to get in my computer, there's nothing there other than work product, I guess, you know? And so I, I guess the, the, um, I don't know, like if you're, if you're my type of personality where, you know, you kind of let other people deal with those things, that's probably not a good way to handle it, right? Respectfully, I would suggest that you um, people in that situation realize that while you might not have a lot on your work computer, what the example on the radio station where it was one person who clicked, if you just get a email or anyone listening, you know, in a similar situation gets one email and clicks, that can take down an entire organization. Even mm -hmm. though there's nothing very interesting on your computer, in fact, that might be an easier way to get in because the person who has a lot on their computer might be really in tune with what is happening because it's like they're trying to protect the crown jewels. But for someone who might not have a lot, they might not be as uh, in tune with all those little nuances of an email, for example, or when someone calls and says, hey, I need your password. I need to reset something. The Social engineering is really popular as well. They'll pretend they're IT or HR and need to do something. And actually, instead, the person's just given information to somebody totally different. Those types of things can impact everybody. So everyone in the company has, has that challenge. And depending on the kind of company and the kind of data you have, that can also, people are always focused on sort of the official data breach. Many people... If not everyone listening has gotten the letter, your data has been compromised, here's your free credit monitoring. Good luck. Well, that's one incident. There's a lot that can happen where no one ever gets that letter because it doesn't qualify as a, an official data breach under a official law. But let's play this out and someone gets access to all the emails. You could take that pile of emails and now email them fictitious invoices these are real scenarios. So I've seen companies, um, small to big, have their access uh, interceded. Invoices go out to customers. Customers now get an invoice. They think, oh, I'm supposed to pay it. And now where's the money go? The, their money goes to somebody else. And so now you have two problems. You don't get your money. And they're mad that they got this pretend invoice. And that was just emails that were accessed. Or you could have emails and a phishing scam go to consumers. And now you have all those consumers who've been fished as well. Maybe not even a business compromise where money's going, but just, you know, a phishing scam as well, where now you can have more people all from the exposure of just an email that might not have qualified as a fancy data breach, but instead that happens. And if it ever comes back, it comes to the brand. And we really believe in our book, it's it's data reimagined and the second part of the title is building trust one byte, data byte at a time, because we really firmly believe it's tied to trust in, in the brands because people are buying products and services from companies all day long. They believe that that brand 
is going to deliver them a great product, a great service. They trust in the experience. They also are trusting in data. And there's no shortage of statistics proving how people are not so trusting these days. And this is just in the privacy sense. There's sort of a trust issue in a variety of other sectors. We'll just hang on in the privacy land today. But this concept of trust is kind of showing up everywhere. I keep getting all these emails. Do you trust this? Do you trust that? But in the privacy universe, it all does tie back. If something goes wrong in a negative way to your brand, and now you're spending more money trying to regain each customer and their trust, you could have in that money and tried proactive approaching in the privacy and security side. Yeah, it becomes an uncontrollable touch point that, you know, if it happens, then, you know, now, now you're scrambling to, to, to manage and mitigate all the, all the pain and process that comes with that. Exactly. And if you take anything where you have to scramble, it never works as well. You know, when you're prepared to leave the house in the morning and you have your bag packed, it's a lot easier to go than when certain people in my household decide to pack it four minutes after we're supposed to already be in the car on our way to school. It doesn't go as well. Michael, you live in two different houses at the same time, Michael. I thought you just lived at our house. You also <laughs> live at Jody's house. I'm confused. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you know, Jody, I thought that your response to Michael is great and Michael may not realize it, but the um, fake invoice happened to us two times in the past month as a recipient, two of our two different vendors, different parts of the country, non-related to each other. We received invoices from them and um, caught it before too late in two different ways, but looked totally legit had all the right information. Absolutely, we were heading right towards paying it. Um, we definitely did not owe that money. And um, luckily we figured it out. Funny thing is one of them, um, they had no idea that someone had gotten into their accounts and had sent those invoices to all of their vendors. We were the first vendor to catch it, to let them know. And two, I'm gonna say, to a point for about a solid three weeks, kept arguing with us that it was our hack, not theirs. Well, what's also interesting, and maybe this is what happened to them, is actually it's possible that no one actually got into their system because the bad actors are able to, to spoof the email where they actually don't get in the system at all. They're just able to replicate it on their own and it looks like it came from you and the clue is in the email header. Uh, so I don't know if that happened in this particular situation, but that is possible where they're just really good at copying the email and it's actually neither system. That's what happens like 99% of the time. That's what I always see. And I go mouse over the name or click on it. And then I can see the bad actor's actual email address. And it's far from what the original was. And so, it's so apparent and obvious in this particular situation, the name and the email were both perfectly spelled correctly. Absolutely the same characters. When we replied back to the email, the person that is actual received our reply. No, did not receive our reply. No, received our reply. That's what it was. Um, and so we forwarded to them directly, someone else in their company and replied back to it kind of to test. They got it both ways. But the bank information and the invoice and all the stuff in the email that was sent to us was not in their sent folder. It's It was weird. Our IT guy finally figured it out and tracked it down. But to this day, their IT guy is still swearing it wasn't them. And I'm like, 
but it had to be because those invoices went to a bunch of your customers and I don't have access to who those people are. Right. So it could not have emanated from us. Tricky times. And you can see how much effort both sides had to spend on that. Right. And it, it is worth it because nobody wants to pay a wrong invoice or not receive the money that they're owed for work when they actually do it. Uh, but it just reminds me of how much more careful we all have to be. You know, you know, I think you're supposed to cross the street. You look left, you look right, you go. But it's that look left one more time just to be sure that I think a lot of people aren't doing. And it's just the speed of business. People are trying to move too fast and they're not taking the necessary steps. That is a hundred percent true. They would though, I hope more, more if they considered it their own money, you know, imagine you had to send a huge check out of your bank account. <laughs> would you triple check you? I hope you would. We want people Even a to, small one. to treat your each dollar of an organization the same way as if it was your dollar. Yeah. 100%. The bigger businesses get too, the 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 more hands on it. And if you may have three steps down the line that somebody's processing the information off site and they may not know the inner workings. And like in our case, we have an outside uh, billing company, you know, and um, and so if, if they're not going to catch it, you know, you hopefully you have a second and third tier that can. But a lot of times they're just processing information. And so it's easier for those things to slip through. Yep. What are your thoughts about like um, when these things do happen and the mitigation of that, you know, because we, we talk a lot about having um, crisis plans in place when bad things happen, you know, and how do you manage them? Um, the, are you guys recommending the same thing here, you know, to have a crisis plan for because it's going to happen at some point, right? I mean, somebody's going to going to mess with you and bad things are going to happen online. And and when it does, how are you prepared for those situations? You definitely want to have an incident response plan and a so sometimes people have a crisis communications plan, and that covers all different kinds of crises. A lot of times the privacy and security pieces are missing from that. And we've talked a lot about the security part, but some of the privacy pieces could be, uh, let's take Tesla that's been in the news, given uh, the timing of our recording. They are su being sued for a privacy violation where the cameras were taking pictures and employees were able to see those pictures and shared them and leaked them. Um, and so now you have a privacy violation. Who was to say that you could take those? Why could an employee take those pictures and be able to have access and share them and see them? It's you know a lawsuit. So I don't know which direction that will go, but that's that's the allegation. There's all different types of headlines that are there. How are they responding to that? That is a privacy incident, not necessarily a security incident. You have the same from a security side. What will be your plan if you were to have an actual data breach? So the ransomware situation, like of the media companies that you were speaking of, what did that group do? How do they respond? It's much easier to be able to respond successfully if you already have the right communications team in place, if you've thought through who makes those decisions, if you have an idea of who will be the spokesperson, if you need someone for forensics, you have that on deck. If you're the person who sent the wire and oops, you realized you don't wanna do that anymore, you actually don't call the police department, which is who most people wanna call. You actually need someone in the FBI or the secret service. Uh, they're the ones who are able to call the banks and have a direct access to them. They don't wait on hold and press two. You want to have all those people lined up immediately so that you can go to kind of your bat phone 
and execute on what your plan will will be. Now we all know a good plan is a good plan and actual life events don't always go according to plan. But guess what will happen? You will have thought through in more in and you will be better prepared. You know, these especially bad actors, maybe not so much fishing, but really big events, they often happen after hours. They love doing it on holidays when teams aren't there. They love attacking small companies who don't have much of this in place. If you're on vacation or it's a holiday, what are you going to do? Those are the kinds of things that you need to think about. What's the tree going to look like? Do you write it down? Do you have a conversation? Is your, I've had these conversations before with some people and they realize actually our law legal team and PR team aren't the right people for this. We need, we need to get the right, they're great for what they do, but they're not the right people for this scenario. We need to go shopping and get them all lined up. Many people will think my cyber insurance plan will cover me. It has a very high, might not. Or you can only use the people on the plan. And do you even know how to call the insurance people? Do you have a phone number? All of those are the kinds of questions that need to be in some type of methodical plan and approach and practiced as well. Now, that, that is great. Um, I read an article the other day that it was a $5 billion industry last year. And I wonder if that's even probably minimized and it's even worse than that. So hopefully uh, everybody who's listening has started to kind of feel the sweat that happens when they think they're not completely prepared. I'm guessing their first step should be to go buy your book. Um, and then what are all the steps after that do they do to get themselves prepared and ready? I would love if everyone grabbed a copy of the book. That would be just fabulous. But we also have a lot of different content in a, in a variety of places. So, you know, if you like to read, there's all kinds of blogs and obviously a book. If you like to listen, we, you know, there's there's the podcast. And the theme you will find in terms of where to start on privacy or security is going to be to know your data. We firmly believe that has to be a foundational element. And from a privacy and security standpoint, they differ. Security is very focused on what data do I have in what kind of systems and we want to protect it. We've talked a lot about educating the, the human side. That's a really important piece. There's humans to this. At the same time, there's also system controls. And if even there was a breach, you need to know where the data is and where they could have gotten in and how connected or not connected it all is. From a privacy point of view, there are a myriad of privacy laws that people need to be paying attention to. And to be able to comply with any of the laws, one of the very first steps is you have to know the data that you have, because then you have to understand how you're using it. Let's just use a simple example. Let's pretend you're an organization and you have Salesforce. And maybe your customer support team and your marketing team and your sales team all uses Salesforce. From a security point of view, we want to protect all the data in Salesforce. And someone can say, here's the long list of kinds of data we have in Salesforce. From a privacy point of view, I have different business processes. I have a sales order. That's like a contract that I have. I need to support that. That's a customer support team. Maybe they don't need access to all of the data. They just need their little part. And from a marketing point of view, did I opt into that? What if I don't like all of your emails? What if I just want the product emails, but not tell me about everything new and great that you have? Those are different business processes. And there's different requirements and different allowable uses and disclosure requirements that I have to do. So the data inventory, in my mind, is the pinnacle and the foundation to privacy and security. And then from there, you're building policies and procedures. 
Some of those are going to be outward facing policies, like an external privacy notice or the ubiquitous cookie banner that people see everywhere. Fun fact, cookie banners are not all created equal, and many of them are not done right. And then you have internal privacy policies, things that your employees need to be doing from a privacy standpoint. You can use this data. You can't use this data to security policies. Here's how we're going to protect the data. And there's a variety of other steps that we do uh, lay out really methodically, like each chapter is kind of a slice of a privacy and security program. But the beginning part to anyone listening is a data inventory. And it could be as simple as just starting with an Excel spreadsheet. At the same time, uh, I recommend making this cross-functional because what systems you have that the IT organization has and knows about is not the only place where data is especially in decentralized places where Jody can go, just go sign up for a really awesome cloud tool to go do my webinar or my analysis or my whatever that I want to, you need to include other people in the organization to get a good understanding. I am both excited and scared because um, I feel like there's a lot of information and it's stuff I've needed to know and be reminded of. And I just kind of let our IT guys do it, but I haven't been as involved, but I'm, I'm sort of fired up thinking that now I sort of have the tools and I know the questions to go ask to better protect us. So that's awesome. Well, I'm so happy that you're happy. Yes, no, very much so. Um, I want to remind everybody, cause you mentioned it early in the beginning, but I want them to get the full correct name. So when they go to Amazon and they push order now, data reimagined building trust one bite at a time. And so that book, the book you wrote with your husband, I think you've done a great job of kind of sharing with us your half of it. He's not here to speak for himself, but from the privacy, I mean, from the, your privacy, he's security, right? That's right. Okay. So from the security side, what would he be adding to this that maybe you haven't thought about mentioning? Right. He would uh, add from a contract side. So the attorney side in him would say, every time you're sending data to a third party. It could be an agency. It could be a software provider. You want to make sure that the other side is protecting the data that you're sending them. And you, many of the privacy laws these days obligate what needs to go into that contract. But a lot of times companies just kind of sign the contract and they don't know what's in the contract. So he would certainly say to really review and understand on either side what is happening in that particular transaction. And then for anyone who is doing any kind of M&A activity, this shows up a lot. Privacy and security issues are kind of excitingly creeping up on the importance meter in M&A deals. It sometimes can devalue if you don't have strong measures. So if you're ever looking for investment or the plan to sell, this is a really great time to shore up what your privacy and security practices are, it will come up in due diligence. And even to the point, if you look at what happened at the Marriott and Starwood breach years ago, mm -hmm. it was when they had announced that the bad actor went in and then the companies went ahead and immediately merged everything. If you're going to do any type of acquisition or merger, you want to be careful about how you announce and the diligence of and reviewing your systems before you merge anything so that you don't also expand the potential for a data breach. And that's what happened in that scenario. Right. Right. No. And that makes perfect sense. Um, I think that anybody at a company, whether you're the, the 
entrepreneur, founder, runner, or employee at has to have an eye to this. I think everybody thinks somebody else is handling it and that ball just rolls downhill to IT. But what you've clearly explained today is that every single person on the team is a weak link to let someone in. So they have to be the strong support to block them out. And I think that's got to be trained. It's got to be reinforced. It's got to be reminded. It's got to be buying the book, following the steps and getting the thing done. Um, Fascinating. And I know usually we talk about marketing, but to me, this this is just as important as anything we do, because if your computers are shut down and, and ransomware is where you're focused, you don't have any time to do any marketing and branding. So this becomes just as important, if not more vital. Absolutely. All right, Jody, you have been so generous with your time and your wisdom. We thank you uh, completely. Tell me, is there anything else that you want to tell the people uh, before you go? I think the idea of how privacy and security ties to marketing and how it really can build trust is an important piece. That could be an entire other conversation for another day. But I want people to be thinking about when you hit send to that email, do you have the consent to send to that email? Did you buy that list? Did you send it to them? Are they expecting that email? And what choices do you provide to them? Because each interaction and each experience There's a long list of privacy laws that are going to tell you if you can or can't, depending on where your customers are, not where you, the company is, but where your customers are. And so you have to comply with those. You want to tell people what you're doing and you want to give them some choices. It's all there because every interaction is a interaction with you, the brand. And you, we want not only is it the right content and the, and am I going to convert, but am I going to stick with you? Am I going to open it? Am I expecting it? Because that element of trust is a really important piece. And while some people listening in many companies might only pay attention to privacy and security because they have to, I really want people to take that above a notch and realize actually that's what can keep customers or earn new ones because your competitors might not. And this is a very important piece where we are today in the data economy is building trust and privacy and security is one of the ways that you can do that. Right. And I think everybody assumes they understand the rules of email and, you know, that they've used constant contact and they're just following constant contacts guidelines. I don't think that they in any way are really preparing themselves to follow the right rules the right way, because I see them being violated hundreds of times a day. So if I'm seeing it that many times, I'm sure it's even worse than that everywhere else. Well, the software can't, uh, the software can have a rule about what is allowed to come in but it doesn't know necessarily and it's it's not blocking how you've added me in if if Jody's in Canada I'm an opt-in situation in many in many circumstances it might not know that if you just somehow add me over here or if I uh, am in a different jurisdiction like in the EU I might also need to be in an e- opt-in situation so the the software can kind of only do so much or if you want to download right. that it doesn't block you from downloading it and sharing it with somebody in a, in a third party or uploading it to social media. It, it, it can't block you from doing that. That's the people in the process part where privacy starts to come in and companies have to think about, can I do that? That's how an organization got in trouble in Canada. They had you opt in for an email receipt. It said just email receipt. They took the information and then uploaded it to social media for targeted ads. In Canada's view was... No, you can't do that. You told me 
and had me opt in, it's email only. And that is where the disconnect is. That's where the privacy piece is. I expected receipts. I didn't also expect emails to be sent to social media and targeted over there. Yep. Save the best for last, but that's exactly it. And that's the perfect intersection of our expertise and yours explained so eloquently. Jody, thank you for your time and your knowledge and your wisdom. We completely appreciate it. And I know our listeners do too. I recommend that they go get your book, Data Reimagined, Building Trust, One Data Byte at a Time. Hit your website at redcloveradvisors.com to subscribe and download and listen and learn. Jody Daniels, thank you so much. Thank you. When the day is through